Welcome to the Asbury Park Vibes podcast. Asbury Park Vibes is dedicated to sharing information about the live music scene in the Asbury Park area, as well as the bands who've traveled through. We thank you for tuning in, downloading, or just stumbling upon our podcast. All right, so... Uh, Thanks so much do, for having uh, me on. Oh, no, I've been trying to pick uh, people who are, like, uh, you know, noticeable in, in the Asbury scene. And cool. you, you've been there since you were, like, 12. Kind of, um, I, I was just, I lived like five to ten minutes away from Asbury, and like the first place that music was apparent to me was in this town, so I'm just kind of accustomed to it, you know? All right, so let me do the introduction and we'll get started. Cool. Hell yeah. Hi everybody, this is Doug from Asbury Park Vibes with my little notch in the wood, uh, Seen and heard, and we're very excited to pop on the screen a gentleman who I've known for years, who's also friends with uh, my kids as well, but someone I'm sure you've seen around Asbury. Say hi to Luke Hendricks. Hello. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> so, Luke, uh, now that we've been locked away for about six weeks, uh, before we jump into the uh, the really important stuff, what have you been doing with yourself for the last month and a half while we wait for the uh, the virus bug to go away. Okay, so um, I started by um, by looking. Uh, so I started this whole thing by um, I found out about coronavirus um, when I was in New York City already, and I was playing a show in Queens, and everyone was like, "Oh, there's about to be a big scary thing that's about to happen," and I was just like, "Oh, damn, that's crazy!" And I'm talking to a bunch of people in New York who. Uh, this was March 9th, so I think, like, this was, like, the real beginning of it. Like, people have been, like, people were already, like, starting to do their quarantine stuff. Um, people were saying that, like, there might not be people at the show tonight because that they're starting to quarantine. And then um, I remember waking up the next day um, really, really, like, scared because I was taking public transit home. And um, I started seeing people with masks on. So. Um, I got home and I pretty much quarantined ever since then, but like left to go to like the park or the woods, like away from people. But um, during the time of quarantine, all I've been kind of doing is like reassessing my music and like rewriting a bunch of stuff. And also I've been like, I've been watching a bunch of movies. Like I watched a bunch of David Lynch movies and I also like, I've been really into Wes Anderson. So I've been seeing his films too. And, um, but like, besides that, just kind of like doing, like focusing a ton on my music and culturally picking up on a bunch of like films and like some literature that I like had to like ignore because I was constantly gigging. So I've been, I've been using this time to like become a little more like woke on 
like pop culture and stuff like that. Like I, I've enjoyed it, but finding work has been damn near impossible. Like I've been trying to get a job like the last couple, like the last couple of days. Cause I got laid off like the day after I came back from New York. And then ever since then, it's been like a wild goose chase to find a job, especially in food service. So, um, I've been dealing with that, but I'm luckily living with my parents. So that's, that's been fine. And you could, you put up with them well? Um, decently well. I mean, I live with my, just my mom, but yeah, I, I, me and her get along and like, it's, um, it's like, it's like a nice, um, it's a nice environment. It's not really that negative. That's good. But you, um, from the day I met you, you, you live to be on stage. You like to perform. How do you go such a long time without having the audience? Um, I think that, um, this, this, not this disaster, but like this period in my life was bound to happen. So I'm trying to take it as that where like, I need a break. And like, I feel like, I feel like this is like, for me, my mental health and blessing in disguise, because I've been able to, like, I've been able to like stay in and like assess my life and like work on, um, work on projects I haven't paid enough attention to, stuff like that. Um, for a lot of people, it's very sad and devastating. So I fully sympathize with them. For me, it's a lot of those things, but it's less bad on that scale. So like for me, it's actually like good to not be public as much. It's a little sad because my the money that I would be making to pay off the record that I just recorded was based in playing music. So right now I'm in, I'm in the state of like, I'm in the state of like trying to find ways to um, not make money, but like trying to find ways to like um, get enough revenue to pay off some debt just because of like, it's been um, like a lot of the financial decisions I make are based on like what my, what my near future has to hold in terms of, art and performing so like that just got on halt so that's been the only like that's been the only like super stressful thing for me and i'm very privileged to say that but you know but there i think what many people probably don't know about you apart from you know you have your the band that you primarily play with teenage halloween which we'll talk about yeah and then you do a lot of solo stuff which is always cool yeah but you also promote and put on a lot of shows as like a booker yeah yeah so so are you are when you're talking about this sort of inevitable crash of all these activities i notice online because i follow you online that you're starting to sort of slow down on the booking and promoting was yeah. that a conscious decision you made because you just can't juggle so many things at the same time i think so um good question because i was gonna get i was gonna say something about that i i decided that um i decided that for my own sanity it's it's um it's a little better for me to um pay attention to like my art and stuff because that i know that i'm not to the point where i can consciously say i've put out enough for the community that like i can like be selfish for like a year or two and like just really focus on my own like art and try and like build up that so um it's not really a matter of juggling a bunch of things it's just me like i think i've officially gotten to a point in my life where like I'm going to put myself first. Well, let's, let's pick up from there. Uh, 
at what point before you started, you know, performing at, at what age or what point in your life did you realize that you had a, either had a gift or a desire to pick up an instrument and write songs? When did you become conscious of that uh, albatross that hangs around your neck of needing to yeah. be creative? Um, I think, I think like, um, I, I said in an interview like a week ago and I, I surprised myself with it because I realized that like it pretty much was the reason that I um got into like performing and songs and stuff was I think it was because of like listening to classic rock records at home when I was young and like like um Led Zeppelin, The Kinks, The Beatles, like all of that stuff was like why I got interested in music and I remember seeing um I mean I said this in the last interview because I realized this this um like this month that the first trigger I had to performing was I went to see Have a Good Season when they were like when they were like young ass kids in like 2013 and I was like it was the first DIY show I ever went to. I went to um it was Tinton Falls Firehouse and it was before they were called have a good season like they're they're old old friends of mine but i just remember like going to their going to their one of their first shows just because they were like friends and i was just like damn this is so cool because we're in a, a space that's not meant for music that is that has music but on a on a non-commercialized level so and then when when did you start performing or when did you step on stage I would say 2014. I um I was like 15 or 16. I was like I I just like had the bug for it because that like we had a friend and like um they they were like real they were like trying to oh, actually wait so I um I've had ideas with a bunch of friends for a long time about starting bands when I was like, real young and I was like, let's start a band. Like I had all these ideas, they never happened. Like they always were just like ideas. I remember, um, I, I say, I, I, I don't think I ever said this in a public interview, but it's just funny. I, I actually was at the movie theater you know, the Mammoth Mall, like AM, the Lowe's or whatever. It's like the theater yeah. at the Mammoth Mall. Yeah. Um, my friend like we yeah my friend brandon asraf he plays in brick and mortar he was um he was doing he used to clean up when the movies were done at the at the movie theater at mom's mall and um i remember i ran into him and i was like talking to him because he was saying that um he was saying brick and mortar is putting together a show and i was um i i worked for a label that loosely helped them with like a thing when I was like real young, like my dad was friends with a guy and like I worked for that label for like a little bit. And um, then I met Brandon again at that theater. He was like, we're putting together a show. Um, are you in a band? Uh, I want to get like the younger people to come see us. And it was like a very like, it was like a very 80s punk kind of thing when you're like, just in a public place, you see just some guy, you know, and like, he's like, oh, I'm putting together a show. Like you got friends. And yeah, I remember saying I had a band when I didn't, um, I lied. I lied to Brandon and I said that I had a band and then I put one together for the show cause I was booked and had no band. How much time did you have to put something together and write three, four tunes? Um, about a month. And um, we played, 
very badly. We had um, we had a couple of our friends come on and sing. It was at it was a sold out show at the Asbury Lanes. Um, the, my first show I like I ever really played was like sold out, and it was very weird because we we went up there, we learned half of the songs the day of the show. And we had the lyrics on stage and we would like look at them every like, every like couple seconds. And um, yeah, no. So uh, the first, the first gig I had was cause I like told Brandon I had a band when I didn't. That's, that's what, have you admitted the truth to him yet? Um, no, but he definitely got it when we went up. He, he knew, I think, like, I think he, I think he looked at us and was like, definitely. Like, because I remember we were like all hanging out backstage and we were like laughing about it. And he was very supportive. He was like, you got this together for the show. Like, that's real nice. And it was just like a funny thing. But yeah, I, I've been playing music ever since. Um, and just is that is that where Teenage Halloween grew from? Um, yeah, it was like an old band that I, I don't talk about as much anymore. But like it. I think the the style of music was similar, so like I would say that it like kind of like was based from that. And then we um, and then like two years later or so, like probably like twenty, like late twenty fifteen, I was like, I was like, I'm gonna be a solo artist and call it this name. And then that's how that all started. So then, so when you realized you wanted to perform and you started doing that, did you have these parallel roads where you were playing with a full band and then going out as a solo guy? Or did you start with the solo thing and then realize you wanted to expand the sound? I think, um, I think it was the latter of what you said. I think like I realized that because, because that going out as one person is like a, like it's, it's not something that, um, in the genre of music that I was playing, I didn't think it was something that I can really build into something that's my own. Cause that playing like playing solo just kind of like has limitations. Like um, you see, I love solo artists. Like I'm a fan personally, but I think for an average show goer, that's not used to like the intimacy of like acoustic music. Like it kind of like seems like it's all fluid and similar. So I really wanted to like expand and be like louder. Cause I also liked punk a lot. I also like, like I like folk, but I like wanted to be like in something that's like louder and more like cohesive, if that makes sense. Cause also like having a drummer helped me cause I couldn't tell tempo worth a goddamn when I was young. Like I, I needed a drummer to be able to do that. So um, I would say that I did I would say that I started the band because I wanted to branch out from being a solo artist. So as you were starting the band, what were some of the bands that you found most influential or that you sort of sensed that there was something in those other bands that you liked that you wanted to bring an element to what you were doing? Are you talking about, um, are you talking about local or like, in, like, like bands that I'm like just into? either really were, oh, there cool. were there local bands that you were like wow I, I like what they're doing and i'm gonna siphon off some of that spirit and yeah, conversely, yeah. were there national acts that you were like i i can do that yeah i was um i really liked um do you remember karina karina yeah you know that name has come up a few times in talking to a lot of the local musicians in the last yeah. week or so 
Yeah, so um, they were the first. Um, they were probably like like them and have a good season. And um, and uh, my my friend um, Brooke Pridemore and uh, a couple other people like Brick and Mortar, like the Front Bottoms, like all of those bands locally were at the time like super like dads, but like I don't really like them anymore. But like back then, um, a lot of these bands were super influential for me to like to like become like to like I don't know I found a lot of interest in like the rawness of those bands because I I saw I saw like the energy that they would give off to audiences like in the local area but on a bigger scale like I would say like the the bands that got me really really inspired were like Against Me, Built to Spill, um like Dinosaur Jr. um I really let, liked Let me um, ju- let me jump in there. Uh Built to Spill and Dinosaur Jr. are both very heavy guitar yeah. centric bands. Where when I I've seen uh, your band back, uh, your band uh, Teenage Halloween, uh, you have a horn section. I, I've always equated it a little bit more towards like. Am I mistaken in mentioning back? Is it backyard superheroes and maybe even a little bit of um, Streetlight Manifesto? That that kind of yeah 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 i love that stuff i would say it didn't it didn't influence me per se like i thought um i think like the most um oh yeah so i think like for the horn section aspect of the music like i love the guitar centric stuff but like the the horn stuff was from like do you know do you know ramshackle glory because i used to be really into them and like that was like them and bomb the music industry and like um and uh what's that other band um feudalism they were a band from around new jersey for a long time that's south playing and um but, and, like, and you're a, kind of bands, but you're also a big jeff rosenstock fan if i'm not mistaken correct yeah yeah um jeff rosenstock like the lyric like teenage halloween is in a song he said he sings that and that's like why the band's called that like but i i um i would say that the horn stuff was because i really liked like that like like that like it's like ska adjacent but it's not ska you know what i mean like it's like that stuff that's like in the well like, i certainly wouldn't say that you're a ska band but i i sense there's an element of that yeah but I, i'm just interested because some of the bands you rattle off are not bands that you necessarily sound like oh but yeah, i guess you you find inspiration from their performance yes 100 percent. like i like how those bands play and i like the fact that like i like I like guitars that sound really raw. So like, I really like bands that have like that kind of sound. And I wanna, I, I like wanna make music that like encompasses all the stuff I like. So like, I try not to like, I try not to do the kind of stuff that like, I'm like mainly into. So I like, try, I, I try and like branch off a little bit. Cause like, I have wanted the band to sound like stuff like dinosaur jr and stuff like that but it just doesn't naturally happen i'm just like a punk songwriter well i don't think you have uh uh, three marshall stacks to stand in front of so that it may be a little bit harder to get that sound yeah no i only got um i got a vox az30 a a a fine amp if i may say by the way so you're you're doing good so as you're starting out i mean i saw you at the lanes when you were pretty young, what was what were the biggest things you had to overcome as a as a really young Asbury Parkish band? What were some of the things that you had to overcome 
to get your sea legs because the last time I saw you when you played at uh, the House of Independence, you come off as a very well rehearsed, very confident outfit. Yeah, so, but yeah, but those, those those first shows, I think you were still trying to figure out how to project yourself to the crowd. So yeah. how how do you overcome that? What are the what are the things that these young bands have to overcome that you've just recently experienced? Um. So first off. The first thing that took me years to figure out is, um, so I'm a chubby person. So going on stage for me has always been very scary. So I, I don't like my body seen by others. So you have to like, the first thing that I think most people need to learn to do when they like, if they like want to get into this industry is to realize that like, fuck what others think. Like you have to be yourself. You have to be you and like the fact that like your insecurities like your insecurity should inspire like your insecurity should inspire your art not deter it so that's one thing like i realized that like like i have to just be okay with who i am and not try and change for the community or like for like what i want to be and then the other thing is that i've realized that like with art it's good to wait on something to release it instead of release something that's like half-assed. So like the, um, the first two EPs we have, like people do enjoy them, I think, but like they, um, they're half-assed in my opinion. Like I didn't work hard enough on them that I can like say I'm proud of them. So like this record that we're about to put out, I'm like super stoked about cause like it took us like two years to like really get it together and like practice. Like I think like the key to like, really finding your sound is to find a group of people that you feel trust and confidence in that you can like that you don't feel burnt out jamming with once or twice a week like the the hardest thing about music i feel like for a lot of like friends and newer bands is like finding the correct group that you can like that you can be with and like like overcome one to two days a week of like like very close quarters, like being like, cause it's like being in a relationship with six people. So like when you're starting as a band, you have to like, you have to take that into consideration and realize that um, you like, the one important thing a friend said to me is um, go on tour with people that if the cops came, they wouldn't all dip on you. <laughs> So, like, but, so, so you've experienced, there's really two things that come to mind. You've experienced the, uh, the anxiety of chomping at the bit that you want to get new mm -hmm. material out. You want to get on the road, you want to record. But, yeah. And it's, and then it becomes forced. But, but then you've also experienced yeah. that, you know, you, you can't take the pizza out of the oven until it's cooked, that there's a certain amount of patience. And I'd imagine that comes with just getting a little bit older and maturing and knowing what you want to, you may not know exactly what you want the final product to be, but you have a sound in your head and that's what you're looking for. Yeah, exactly. And like the, I think the important thing is also to not like not overthink something, but not release something that isn't what you want it to be. So I've released a lot of things that are like, got to get this done. Got to show people like what I'm working on when it's not even finished. Um, also like, 
we definitely were less established over the years because that we we were play I was playing with people I didn't fully trust. Like I was dealing with like a I was dealing with it like a bunch of people that I just cannot like that I just couldn't like couldn't like make music with in a way that's like the intimacy of like being in a group in a band like where you like have the um, where you have that emotional connection but now like the most recent incarnation of the band has been about two years now and it feels so right and it feels like when we're together we can like we can really like talk about things and like communicate and it's like and like when I said earlier it's like a relationship because you if you can't communicate with your significant other um it's not worth being with that person and like I think that when I was not communicating with my band it wasn't worth having that lineup and now that we all can and we're all very like in close quarters and like very full full on each other it's like it's just a great feeling like I can text my bandmates like a couple times a week and it doesn't feel forced and I think when you know the last show that I saw you guys play I think you know you've reached it when you know when you make a mistake on stage, but the band knows where you're going to go with it. Mm -hmm. So that way the audience doesn't know that what's happening wasn't necessarily what you planned, but you're all on the same page. Yeah. We, um, we have been jamming so much. So we played, um, we played a show with team trash. who's like this old, like nineties, like really cool. Like, like riot girl punk band. That's like, um, really highlights like, um, the struggles of like being like a lesbian in America. Like it's very cool shit. We played with them. We played, um, we were starting a song and then I played, um, I played the wrong song on the set list. I just started playing the wrong song. And that was like my first big fuck up in like six months. But we, we somehow like just started playing the wrong song because we like all looked at each other and like we had that communication and it felt great. Because it's like, oh, damn, we, we, like, know what each other are doing, so we're going to roll with each other. It's, like, very – it's a good feeling. Well, one of the other things that you bring up that I think your band brings to the stage that you don't see with a lot of other bands is you're also very progressive and very political about the kind of audience that you invite to see you play. And, yeah. And the people you invite about being open about people's choices and the, the proper pronouns and the respect – Never people that don't necessarily fit into one or two boxes uh, that that the rest of the world seems to want everybody to fit in. Yeah, I mean, I think I think our band, like we try, like Asbury Park is um is a good gay town, and we also try to push the idea of like we try to push the idea of like not completely believing the government at every moment. Like we really want, like we really want to push that, like the. You you mean you don't think we should inject each other with house cleaner? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like I think that, like I try to like tell people that listen to our band that are like younger, like people that like are new to like the punk scene, like you you got to question authority because we're not going in the right direction. But so when you stay in a place like Asbury, which is very progressive and very welcoming, mm-hmm. um and and new york philadelphia very much brooklyn there's a certain security and safety i'm sure it's still oh absolutely quite dangerous but when you go on tour and, and you head out west or to the you know when you leave that security had 
Are you frightened at all? Or how do you deal with the oh. fact that when you get away from the East Coast, that mentality may be harder to find? Well, it makes, well, Doug, it makes sense because we're literally, when we walk, like, so the South is a great place. The queer punks in the South are fucking awesome. Like, it's like such a tight knit, like, community. Like, when we, when we go South, it's like the nicest, like, group of people that are super welcoming. We're going on tour is weird. And, but you learn a lot about your country that way, like going throughout, like, different places. And like, it's good to like, it's good to like, like retain that information and use it in a way that can help others around here. And, and beyond the idea of fluidity and trying to get away from the labels that people put, one of the things that I, I think you've been very open about on stage is mental health and, and attending to your own mental health. Can you yes. talk about what you're bringing to the stage with that as well? Um, yeah, I would say um, I, am, I have OCD and I also, struggle with manic depression so i tried to make i try to make our shows a a safe and welcoming space to people that struggle with like similar or different mental health problems because that i think um i think it's important to have like the platform to be able to um like i think the fact that i, I meant to say i think the fact that i have the platform to be able to talk about that should like i i hope it influences other people to also do and, that because of, and have you gotten reaction or people are people responding to that or are, are mm -hmm. kids coming up who haven't opened up to their parents or are they reaching out to you and, and giving you the kudos that you deserve I, I wouldn't say reaching out but at shows i think we i i've talked to a lot of people about it i think it's important to like i i really like highlighting in our songs the fact that like your objective reality could be different than what's going on around you but like that is valid but you just have to understand that processing that takes time and you have to be like understanding of others and while we're talking about your songs uh i'd love for you to to give us a song what what would be a good song uh that gives us a sense of who you are as a musician and as a band um i would say um I would say this one is called Turn Right, Go Straight. Um, it's a, it's um, based on a joke with, um, that we had amongst ourselves about a friend that if you tell him to turn right, he drives straight. But um, this, is a, this is a song just about, um, it, I, I would say it's about like, just like growing up in a place where you are afraid to speak where you're afraid to speak openly about um about like your sexuality and your um and you're just like speak openly about your sexuality and the fact that you're you're not like interested in the things that other people around you are it's kind of like a i would say that this song kind of like recounts like like being young and not understanding anything all right
now I'll try my best to avoid As fast as my body can to save me on my own command For now I'll find this at my clock I guess I'll wait an extra hour till the day stops Part of the self-destructive queer you With our brain set on Hollywood Not old enough to try it But the high never felt this good Fighting the enemy of anger With our ego nailed on a cross not perfect for each other and you better turn that engine on and find tone cool that was wonderful excellent oh thanks so um did you uh did you take lessons as a kid or how did you end up playing the guitar um i think yeah, I took lessons. Um, my my parents really wanted me to um, my parents really wanted me to like do something, and like they they realized that I'm not a sports kid. So like they when I was like eight, they were like, oh, play guitar. And then I had a teacher come to my house a couple times, and then um, that didn't work out because he was a he was a little mean. So I I went to um, I went to another place took lessons for like two or three years and then stopped and just, I knew my basic chords. So I, I guess I was fine. I don't know. I, I, I don't, I can't really shred, but I, I was like, I, I like realized that I knew enough chords that I could write songs. Well, I don't think the music that you're playing requires someone to be shredding. I think they just need someone to keep the, the melody going. Yeah. Like, like all I can do is like, like that's pretty much it <laughs> it's all you need so well uh, once we're allowed to go back out of the house and and sneezing on people won't cause instant uh, you know sh you know possible rashes. death yeah what you have tell us about the album when that's coming out and and when the world opens up again what are you and teenage halloween going to be doing um so when the world opens up again um we're going to have our album out to be determined, but definitely between July and August um, on Don Giovanni Records. Um, now, hold there for a second, because that is an excellent label to be signed yeah. to. Who yeah, else, uh, uh, The Screaming Females, who else is on Don Giovanni? Um, Screaming Females, um, Waxahachie was on it. Um, we Jeffrey Lewis is on it. Um, also, um, Laura Stevenson put out all her records on it. Um, the and, and Laura Stevenson was in Bomb the Music Industry, and that's the connection to Jeff Rodenstock, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, but, um, the Ergs put out records on there. Um, Shell Shag, Brick Mower, all those fun bands. That's fantastic to have. And I've met him a few times. He he does a really nice job with his bands, and he he gets he's a lot a, of he gets a sweet. lot of good Brooklyn uh, press as well. Yeah, no, he's a sweetheart. Like we've um. I've been buds with Joe for a little bit. Like we played, um, 
we played the new alternative music fest for him back in Asbury a couple years ago. And that's how we like met. And then ever since then, we've just kind of been friends. And then like the, like maybe like last summer, like we hung out and like, he kind of was just like, let's put out a record. And I was like, okay, sounds good. And like the, I, I've been lucky enough that the labels that have put out our stuff, I've just been like buds with like the people that run them, like just over time. And I think it's like, for me, it's, it's been the best way to like go about going through music because like I've had a personal relationship with the people that have put out my records. And you can trust them a little bit more than a stranger. Yes. And Joe also is like, not a, he's not a capitalist dude. Like he's very like, he's very like realistic. So, so working with them, working with Joe has been really good. We've talked about like realistic number of records we should press financially and see how they do like stuff like that. Like not, we we're definitely not like, we're not over or under selling our art. We're trying so to, wait, keep, like, are, are you going to put out a vinyl record? Yeah. I, I got to tell you, Luke, I'm in my mid fifties and the idea that people are going back to vinyl, I find stunningly confusing. Oh no, it's, um, it is. Um, I've realized, and I was joking with Joe about actually the other day, I realized that vinyl records are just an aesthetic thing. Like that it's, it's cool that it's happening, but like the, the, the love for it is truly aesthetic. It's the fact that you can get like um, a material different colored and stuff like, and like music comes out of it. Like, and you can see it. Like, that's the only thing I, I realized that vinyl you put a CD in a CD player. You don't see the CD go. Like, you don't see the music happen. With a vinyl record, you see it happen, which is crazy. Well, not, not only that, because uh, I don't even own a CD player anymore, to be honest with you. I, you don't I, need one. But I, I do have to tell you that uh, I was talking about this earlier with friends when I bought – I grew up in Oakland, and I went to a store called Sam Goody's. And I bought the first U2 album. Wait, Oakland, California? No, Oakland, New Jersey. Oh, like South Jersey? <laughs> uh, Bergen County, near the cool. New York border. Oh, okay. The, but the fun part of music was putting on your headphones and looking at the liner notes and taking out the album and looking at the album and the art. And for a while, I enjoyed the uh, CD, the jewel insert, when you can unfold like a long insert. Yeah. But in your mid fifties, the printing is way too small to read. Yeah, yeah. And the one thing I lo I, I gotta tell you, I don't know if it it doesn't seem to pay musicians very well, but I love Spotify. But yeah. what I what I do miss is liner notes and you know reading stuff that came in the uh, in the packaging of the material. Yeah, Spotify. Um, I've also talked to the label about that because it's um. We talked about how it's very you it's very user friendly, but it's not artist friendly. And like uh, we we always talk about how like both like both sides of that are super interesting because that like the um like the artist friendly um the artist friendly aspect is like very low and like like the the average musician just hates Spotify, but the user it's wonderful. I use Spotify like. You can't deny it. It's like the it's all the music you want to listen to right in front of you. It's, it's just it's, um, it, between that and uh, 
there are some artists that stuck with uh, the Amazon uh, music streaming service. I, I can't name more than five albums that I have that aren't available somewhere on, in digital form. Yeah, exactly. Um, you have to. There, there's a there's a point where you can be as um, you can be as um, like anti that stuff as you want, but there's a point where you have to roll with that stuff for your shit to be heard. Which is, is the, like, it's know, the vocabulary of the distribution. Yeah, it's an unfortunate truth, but um, we aren't above that, so we have to we have to succumb to that. And like, um, there's many labels that openly talk against stuff like Spotify, but like most labels have to use it in order to get the music heard and like to do the full justice for the artist that it can. But I get the sense because I've also purchased uh, albums from Bandcamp. And I guess the artist gets a bigger percentage of that, but Bandcamp certainly doesn't have the distribution or the the, yeah. the, the ease of Spotify. Bandcamp is a rough one because though it's fair, it's also very um, it's another thing that takes a pretty pretty meaty cut of like what you sell. So like someone will throw me six bucks on Bandcamp, and I see like two, three, which is like totally cool, but it definitely like. The thing with Bandcamp is it probably should specify more to the user where the money is going because that um, it would make the user inclined if they have the funds, it would make the user more inclined to throw more because that the artist doesn't see a lot of that money. So when your album comes out, if if you could pick three bands to tour the country with, who who would you want to go on tour with when the world is back to whatever normal is? I think my my three right now are um I would love to tour with Jeff Rosenstock or Chris Farron. Um I would really like to it would it would be awesome to tour with um I've been do you know Ezra Furman? I've been like super into their shit. I saw him oh, I forget if it was a Don Giovanni thing, but there was a, some sort of showcase in, in, in Brooklyn a few years back, and, and I saw him perform, and he did a great job as well. Ezra Furman's up there for me. Um, the OCs, if you know them, I really like them. I, I don't know. Can you match the energy level that that guy performs from start to finish? No way. I'm saying, but I'm saying I would be great playing first. <laughs> Like no, that was I saw them in Philadelphia a couple months ago, and and I was exhausted just watching. Yeah, bands out of control. They're so good. Um, also, like I would love to tour with them. I really like Mom Jeans. Like a lot of people don't, but I think Mom Jeans is fucking sick. I would love to play a show, like some a couple shows with them. Um, I think the last one that I that comes directly to mind is I would absolutely love to play with um screaming females or radioactivity you know i don't know radioactivity but i've seen the screaming females probably more than almost any other band and and they bring a great crowd to a show as well you know one of the other things i find with uh, spotify is they send me suggestions i don't know how it does it of bands i might like and and sometimes they do a really good job at finding me bands I've never heard of that I've really come to enjoy. Yeah, yeah. No, it's um it has insane programming in that regard. Like I have found so many good bands on Spotify. Um 
Spotify has done like done so much justice to my taste too. Like I found um I found a couple of really cool bands there and then um but like yeah, no, I think it's I think it's cool in that regard. Yeah. Like it helps users find more music. Um I think that all they need to do is um maybe put some of their funds more towards the artist. I think everyone who's on Spotify might agree. Yeah. Wait, before we wrap up, could you can you give us one more tune? Cool. Um, I'm gonna do. Um, would uh would a cover be chill? Whatever you want people to know is associated with you. So you want to do a cover? I'm all for it. Cool. I was um I was thinking about I was thinking about this song the other day, and I'm thinking about and and like I I play it a lot at my solo shows. But I, I I don't do it enough, and it's um. You like Daniel Johnson? I think I like other people's versions of Daniel Johnson's songs better than Daniel Johnson, but I certainly like his music. Absolutely. Absolutely wonderful, Luke. Thank you. So uh, we've been spending a better half part of probably almost an hour with Luke, uh, as Luke Hendricks as the solo guy and Teenage Halloween. Luke, it is wonderful to see you upright and healthy and happy and glowing Thanks. and performing. We're all Thank looking so forward to when the world is a better place. 
Thanks for participating, and uh, we'll talk to you real soon.